This is the second installment of this series, and the goal behind the series is simply prayer, to better understand prayer. Yes, we're, we're focusing on Jesus' life, and we're looking specifically, kind of walking towards Easter, uh, we're going to bring about some certain time frames in Jesus' life as we work our way to Easter, but it's still all centered around prayer. And last week, Pastor Shen kicked us off, just helping us understand that the purpose of prayer is to glorify God, that that is prayer's purpose. Like, there's lots of benefits to prayer. There's lots of great things that happen because God gave us this incredible gift of prayer. Uh, but the primary purpose is to glorify God. And he walked through last week when Jesus taught us how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Um, and he just walked through. I can't even go through it. That's why you need to, I wanted to give you the recap. But it's just so many things packed into this small prayer about God's sovereignty and his forgiveness and his grace and his faithfulness and all the things that we kind of get to address through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I just want to encourage you, encourage you to go back and listen to that, uh, dive into sort of that big, big, we could have done a whole series on the Lord's Prayer, but uh, we wanted to get a couple more things done. So last week we kicked it off and we'll be reaching back to it uh, over the course of the series. Um, in Matthew 6, where Jesus, you know, Matthew 6, where he teaches us to pray. We're going to reference that again this week. Um, and before he does that, I want you to notice the word that Jesus used for prayer. Now, I, I didn't write the Hebrew word up here because none of us can read Hebrew. So, you know, right to left and all that kind of thing. Like, uh, well, some of us can, but, you know, not all of us can. Um, this is the Greek word, which has the same meaning in terms of what we see in Matthew 6, 5, when Jesus says, when you pray. And the reason I wanted to show you the word, not because I can pronounce it, but because I wanted you to see what it means, okay? So if you go to a little bit deeper dive into study, um, you can pull out something, it's called Strong's Concordance, a very famous study tool. Um, you can see what this word, this word is actually a combination of two words, okay? Especially in terms of the Greek. It's a combination of a word, the first part of the word means to sort of towards, if you will, or a better exchange, in terms of intentionality. And then uh, the second part of the word, or the main part of the word, is this idea of wishes, or to pray, kind of this idea of wishes. And it's kind of a strange way to say that, um, but it says in the context of how we're using it, it's to exchange wishes. Prayer is the idea of exchanging wishes. And then when you take in the full context of the Hebrew language and everything else, it, it comes back and says, look, literally, the word prayer to interact with the Lord by switching or exchanging human wishes or ideas for his wishes as he imparts faith, right? That that's what's actually happening when Jesus says, when you pray, okay, that word pray, when you pray, when you kind of get to this beautiful thing that God created, you're sort of exchanging or switching sort of your view on things, your wishes, your ideas, and you're switching those out and exchanging them where God's giving you his ideas and his wishes by div divine persuasion. Like, it's really, really cool. And I'm, Listen, I know that's kind of a lofty, you know, kind of definition of prayer, and I know that many people are just like, yeah, Matt, that's great, I get it, that's awesome, you know, exchanging wishes, that's great. But when it comes to practical conversation that I have with people about prayer is that most people struggle and get very easily frustrated in their prayer life, right? Because in their mind, it's not about the big picture of what prayer 
is in terms of how Jesus described it. And, and it's not about, you know, it's like lofty, great. I love the idea of exchanging wishes. Here's the problem. It's not a wish, right? There's a mountain in my life that has to be moved. There's a problem that I'm dealing with that's so significant that I can't do anything about it. God, and I'm pleading, I'm begging, I'm coming to you. So yeah, exchange wishes, awesome. But, but I've, I mean, I need you to be able to do something. I need to let you know what's going on so that you can show up and intervene. And, don't, and we tell God, right? Like we tell him exactly what we need. Hey, God, 2.30 Eastern Standard Time, right? It's got to happen. If it doesn't happen by then, it's not going to happen, God. We need it by Friday. Friday's D-Day. Friday's the day, Right? Listen, God, seriously, you know, it's $5,231, right? It's $5,231. I've said it 15 times in my prayer. God, you've seen my bank account. I don't got it. You got to manifest some coins fast, right? And here's the thing. Rarely are those prayers answered. Rarely are those prayers answered in the way we tell God to answer them. And we get frustrated. Can I get a little head nod from everybody? Like it's, it's the reality. And it has everything to do with just how our, we've just been taught and sort of the assumed kind of tradition of prayer in our Western sort of modern culture. So I want to go back and I want us to look at Jesus, his example, his life. And, and we want, we're going to talk about kind of the, not just the purpose of prayer, because the purpose of prayer is lofty. I agree. It's to glorify God. All we want to do is glorify God. But I want to talk about the practice of prayer, like what it means for you and I to engage in this as a spiritual discipline and begin to walk in such a way that we can actually pray prayers that God is going to answer, that he will answer. There's about uh, 38 ish references to Jesus praying in the Bible. The reason I say ish is smart people can't agree on anything. So uh, whenever, whenever I study things, I, I like to study smart people. And I love when smart people can't agree because then how am I supposed to know, you know? So there's 38-ish roughly times in which references Jesus praying, whether it's a specific prayer like we read last week, Jesus saying, you know, here's how to pray, or a prayer that was, is recorded. Um, but the, several times, especially when you start seeing the life of Jesus, it's referenced in a way of his life of prayer. This is a couple examples. This is from Luke 6. It says, one day soon afterwards, this is after he had done some ministry, he went up on the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Some versions say, until the sun rose. He prayed all night long. This is uh, Mark, I believe. Yeah, the next reference, it says, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went away to a secluded place, right? He found a bush or a tree or a cave or something. He found a section, you know, secluded, quiet, where he could get away and pray, where he could engage the Father. Now, I don't know, this is one of the reasons we encourage questions at this church. I don't know if you guys like think of these kind of questions, but these are the kind of questions I think of. This is why I like questions, right? Has anybody ever thought of the question, why did Jesus have to pray? Is it just me? Am I the only one thinking these kind of questions? Right? You're all smarter than me then, that's fine, right? Why did Jesus have to pray? Wasn't Jesus God? Right? What, wasn't Jesus God? Why did Jesus have to pray? Is that, isn't that a good question? And when you really start looking at it, I'll be honest, when you start studying it, it's a lot of rabbit, hole, rabbit trails. I'm just letting you know, like it's a lot of rabbit trails. Now, sometimes it can be, you know, we think, well, it's a, he said an example for his 
followers for us. Great. That's a, that's a, that's a good reason, right? It was, you know, was it like a spiritual power up? You know, Jesus had to kind of get his, kind of connect into the, the source, right? And spiritually power up for, for the next day's ministry. Great, great example, right? Great, great. Yeah. The reality is when you do some research and some deep study on it, one of the best things I've seen is just the understanding that, you know, we, we have a hard time. And I, I say we, meaning me, we have a hard time really ca- comprehending what the fully God, fully man looked like in terms of Jesus. Okay, like we, we sometimes just can't comprehend how was he still fully God? How was he fully man? Because all scripture tells us is he put on humanity. He took humanity on himself. And the reality is, is that when he did that, he now had, you know, for this period of moment of time, he sort of entered into communion with God the same way that we enter communion with God. Does that make sense? With his father. And the reason that we see this is because this the, it's what Scripture supports the most. That because of his humanity, if you will, God spent, Jesus spent so much time in prayer because he wanted to keep that, that you know, what, he, what he's had forever and will have forever, that union, that communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so here's a couple of great examples where, where you see it, the results of this in his life. He says in John 12, he says, look, I don't speak of my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it, right? Keep going. I know that his commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Well, how did he know exactly what the Father wanted him to say? Because of his time in prayer. Keep going. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. So whatever the father does, the son also does, right? There's just a couple examples where Jesus sort of was showing the results of one of the reasons, if you will, of his time in prayer was, look, I, I, I need to say what God's saying, so I have to know what God's saying. I want to know what God's doing. I need that revealed so that I can see what God's doing and so that I can do what God has called me to do. And this is part of us understanding that even Jesus himself, when he took on humanity, entered the practice of prayer for the same reason that you and I have been given this beautiful gift of prayer. That when we practice prayer, when we are engaged in the practice of prayer, it's to align our hearts to God's heart. It's to align our hearts and then, and then to be able to see and experience his authority. Right? Jesus says, I'm not doing anything that I don't see God doing. I'm not saying anything that God's not saying. Like, I am under the full authority of the Father. Great example is the the Roman centurion who gave that example to Jesus. Like, I know you're a guy under authority, right? You just say the word and my my servant will be healed. I'm, I'm a man under authority. I get how it works. It's not just you. You're under authority. And Jesus was like, what incredible faith in this Gentile, right? We've been given this incredible gift, the practice of prayer, the spiritual discipline to be able to approach the throne of God and not die with, as Pastor Shin talked about last week, with the intimacy of a father-son relationship. And all of this has been done so that we can align our hearts with his, so that we can experience and be able to walk and live in this life with his authority in our life. Here's how John, John the disciple, here's how he described it in 1 John. 
This is what he sort of said in terms of how this works with prayer. He said, this is the confidence that we, talking about the church, talking about the people of God, have in approaching God, right? That if we ask anything according to his will, that's a big, that's a big phrase here. I'm going to talk more about that soon. But if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. And then you keep going. He says, and if we know that he hears us, right, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Like, just think about those words for a minute, because John's saying, look, you, get to, you and I get to live in such a way that we live with the confidence that when we pray, especially when it's according to his will, that when we pray, God hears us. I want you to just take a minute and think about the fact, like, whether you, do you really believe that's true? Like, do you really believe that's true? Listen, I, I mean, I'm, I'm honest. I have conversations with Christians all the time who, you know, you know, they're just like, look, I pray, but I don't, I'm not getting nothing. Like, there, there's no reciprocation. Like, I don't, I don't even know if he, if he hears it at all. And Christians go through these seasons where they, they start to struggle with, again, the frustration of, Am I even doing this right? Like, do people, does God hear me? But the Word of God tells us that, that when, we, when we, we, we approach Him with confidence according to His will, He hears us. He does. He hears us. I, I'll be honest. I think if we really believe that He hears our prayers, we would never stop praying. Like, we would just pray all the time. It would just be a constant state of prayer. We'd be like, God, figure it out. How can I pray in my sleep? Right? Like, like, like all the time, we keep praying. And yet, for most of us, we struggle. We get frustrated. Maybe, maybe there were seasons in your life where you felt like you had a good prayer life and other seasons where you struggled. Why? I think some of it is seen, if you've got your scripture card uh, in front of you in the chair, um, this is some of the scripture we're covering today, but the green is what we're getting ready to read together. This is something we, we want you to look at your own version of the Word of God um, as we read it together as a church. You can use your phone app or whatever you want. I'm not going to put it on the screen for you. Uh, it's James 4, uh, 1 through 3, just, the, just a few verses. But James, the brother of Jesus, is addressing the church. You know, he's addressing his people. He's addressing the mess, if you will. You know, he's addressing the messy. We talked about that in the last series. He's addressing the, the Christians who are frustrated and struggling. So I love reading James. James says this about drawing close to God. This is kind of the theme of this chapter, if you will. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it? You are jealous of what others have, but, but you can't get it. So you fight, and you wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you, you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. A little bit later on in verse 7, it says, humble yourselves before God. In verse 8, it says, when you come close to God, God will come close to you. James is just addressing the fact that, look, there's struggle and strife and whatever among you, and 
Part of it's because of just where you are in your humanity. You struggle, and maybe you haven't killed anybody to get anything yet. Well, at least you didn't kill them physically, right? You probably had some good invisible conversations with them. I know how those go, you know? Maybe you didn't do that, but you, you, know, we, you know, whether it's social media, whether it's whatever, like we, we're constantly divided and at, and, at, and at war with people we shouldn't even be at war with, right? Like it's, it's, it's there. Why? Like, like just honest, just raise your hands real quick. How many of you guys have just worried this week about something? You just, you, you just worried about something. Yep, and the rest of you are liars. Good, all right. Um, how many of you guys like really attempted to control something this week? Like you tried to control, yeah, okay, yeah. That was a little fast, Holly, on your hand there. I just want you to know, a little, little quick. She's, she's confessing. All right, um, how many of you guys like, you know, you just, you, you, you know, you, you were concerned that if something didn't happen, right, that you were sort of fearing the worst possible outcome. How many would kind of sit in that camp? Yeah. Now, don't raise your hand on this one, but, but if I were to ask you, like, how many of you prayed about that? Statistically, the number is very, very, very low. If I were to ask you how many of you uh, talked to a friend about that, the numbers would be very, pretty high. How many, how many of you guys texted a friend about that? How many of you guys sat over coffee with that? How many of you guys shared it with a family member? You know, and, and if I were to say, look, you know, have you prayed about it? Sometimes the answer is like, well, you know, not yet, right? Why? Well, I don't know. It hasn't gotten that bad yet. <laughs> right? I mean, let's just be honest. That's, that's the way most Christians are. It just hadn't gotten that bad yet. I'm still, I'm still working on plan A and B and C myself. <clears throat> and this comes back to sort of this idea of like, well, if the practice of prayer is to align our hearts with God's authority, then there's the struggle that we have, as James calls it out, the struggle that we have are obstacles in our way. And I could get, I tried to figure it out, like, how am I going to list these? And how am I going to give us an option? You know, whatever the case is. And the reality is that there's not a list, okay? The biggest obstacle, right, in our prayers is just us. Hello, it's me. I'm the problem, right? Like, it's, it's just us. And you could talk about it in all kinds of different ways, but it's just us. The reason that we don't find alignment, the reason that our prayer lives struggle often is because it's just so much about us. We're the obstacles in the way of, of really having this power-filled prayer life of prayers that God answers. Now, I will say this, Jesus, when again, he, he, we're going to go back and read this. We read it last week, but I want to point out a few things. This is very common. It wasn't just, this isn't just a modern day Christian thing. Like Jesus had to address this with people in terms of prayer, because even, even the religious sort of Jewish culture had fallen into some bad rituals and habits of what they thought prayer was and how to do prayer. So when he, when he tells them how to pray right before the Lord's Prayer, this is what he says. He says, look, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, right, who love to pray publicly in street corners and synagogues where everyone can see them, right? I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they're ever going to get. Now, i just give you a quick of what it means for us, okay? It doesn't need to be on a street corner. It doesn't need to be in front of the church, Okay? It can be in your small group. It could be when you get asked to pray for a family meal. 
Okay? Anytime prayer becomes a performance, it's a problem. Right? And, 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 we, and listen, sometimes it's out of good intentions. You know, I know dads, we want to set a good example. We're like, get over here and we're going to pray. Get over here! We're going to pray. Close your eyes. Close your Close them! Our holiest Father of thou art love, you know. Kids are listening to you. You don't talk like that, right? Again, not, I'm not saying good intentions of setting a good example. You want to set good examples. But really, like, like you're trying to impress your kids? You're trying to impress God? You're trying to impress your small group at how great you pray? Anytime prayer becomes a performance, <laughs> it's about us. It's about us. And, and all he's saying is, you, you know, what he's basically saying is, when you get that pat on the back, like, oh, good prayer, man. Good job. Jesus is like, yeah, that's pretty much all you get. <laughs> he's just basically saying, like, that's the reward. You know? Everybody was like, man, Matt just knocked that prayer out of the park. Way to go, Matt. Okay, good. That's right. That's, that's the reward. He goes on to say this. He says, look, when you pray, go by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your father in private right? This is the, the example is just like Jesus. Like, find a way without the distractions. Find, find seclusion. Find ways where you're not going to be constantly pulled in multiple directions. Your father who sees everything will reward you. What it means, he talks about that in private, is like, you know, prayer is not something you tweet about, okay? It's just not. Like, prayer, you know, don't get on the, on the gram and take a picture with a candle and a piece of coffee and like, ooh, great prayer time this morning. Like, you know, it's not about that right? It's, it's about basically you and God having this beautiful communion, and the stuff that you share with Him doesn't need to be shared with anyone. And, and honestly, probably better if you don't share it. And then God who sees everything, activated by that prayer, God who sees everything, is going to reward that in private too. I was having a conversation with somebody in the lobby this morning after coffee with pastors, and they said the same thing. They said, you know, sometimes I, I just don't sense any answers to my prayers. And I said, you know, I'll be honest. I don't sense any answers to my prayers sometimes too. But if I just shut up long enough, what I oftentimes sense is peace. I brought something to him, and no, I did not get an audible answer. But what I sensed immediately was that he was with me. And I said, and sometimes that's all I need. Truly. Truly. He keeps going and he says, you know, don't, when you pray, don't babble on, right? Don't babble on as the Gentiles do. That's what Pastor Shim was talking about last week. One of the translations is Babylon. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again, okay? And I'm not picking on the recovering Catholics in the room, but honestly, how many Hail Marys does it take, right? Like, 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 that, I, I'm not picking just on you, that's, but that's a very real thing, very real thing taught, but it's not just, you know, recovering Catholics. Like, we all have little rituals and traditions and little prayers, we're going to talk more about that next week, little quick little statements that, that don't even have intentionality to them. We just, we just sort of get caught in the ritual that if we do this and we do that, then God's supposed to do this. And, and he's basically like, what, you... Really? You're going you're gonna to twist God's arm? You're, you're going to make him bend to your will? You think repeating that over and over again is how that works? 
he goes on to say, don't be like them further. Your father already knows exactly what you need before you ask. Okay? Your father already knows exactly what you need. Okay? Do, do we approach him like that? Like too many of us are trying to inform God as if he missed the meeting. You know, like God, Tim's having surgery, not downtown. He's over here at this Novant uh, in Huntersville. He's there. And I don't know if you knew it, but two, they changed his time. It's two o'clock now. The two o'clock's the surgery. So God, I just want and I'm just like, Lord, he, he knows the hair on the heads of every doctor in the place. We do not need to inform God of what's happening. Like, he already knows. Do we approach him in that way? I mean, the, <laughs> Paul tells us in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit interprets and translates the groans of our spirit when we don't even have the words to say. When we come in prayer and we're just like, oh, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit went, I know exactly what that means. Does that, does that make sense? This is prayer. James, again, brother of Jesus. James says it this way. He says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces great results. The reason he says it that way is he's like, you're meant to come in an authentic manner. You're meant to come in earnest. You're meant to come to him in prayer with exposed and vulnerable. I mean, I don't know what picture you have in your head of the most vulnerable thing you could be. Maybe it's standing up here and you're naked, you know? No one pictured that, but just, I'm just saying it like, maybe it's in front of a crowd. Maybe it's, I mean, just think of the most vulnerable position you could ever be in. And I want you to know that's how God sees you anyway. There's nothing to hide. There's no reason to bring pretension into your prayer. Like he already sees you like that. He says, you come in earnest. You know exactly who you are. He knows exactly who you are. But when you acknowledge that, when you start in that position to align yourself with him, man, that's when the power comes. That's when, that's when results begin to happen. Here's a, here's a simple prayer. Okay, just again, a simple prayer that helps us begin to understand what does aligning with God's heart look like? Okay, very simple. God, I love you and I worship you. I want to be available to you today. I want to be useful for you today. And I want to be in step with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a simple prayer. That's a prayer that aligns our heart. With By the way, that's a prayer that he'll answer every single time. Did you know that? That's a prayer he's going to answer every single time. Compare it to the way in which we pray now. And, and listen, we don't use these words, but this is the heart behind many of our prayers. God, I need you to be available to me today. I mean, I'm walking into that meeting. I need, I need you to be available to me. God, I need you to be useful today. Like, I already told you what I needed, and it's 2.30 Eastern Standard Time. I, I need you to step in. 
I need you to be on board with my plan today, God. We're, I'm finally sharing it with everyone. Like, it's been six months in the works. Like, I, it's my, like, I need you on board with, with my plan. And guess what we say to God? Hey, if you'll do that, oh, I will worship you. I will worship you. Everybody see how that's so different? That doesn't align anything. The practice of prayer, the constant spiritual discipline and engagement of prayer is to align our hearts and then move and walk and live in His authority. I'm going to give you a quick example. This is um, the best way I thought to do this would be just to give a scriptural example of this. If you have your own Bible in front of you, I want you to pull this up. This is going to be Acts 4. Oh, wait, I think it's 4. Yes, Acts 4. Um, I'm going to read through it first. This is a recorded prayer by Luke of the early church. And, and I want to read through it, and then I'm going to walk us through, again, some of those elements of just what does it look like to have a prayer life that aligns our hearts with his. I want to give you this example, a beautiful example of the early church. This is Acts 4. Uh, James and Peter have been arrested uh, for preaching and teaching in the temple. Um, they've, been they've been thrown in jail. They've been beaten. They've been told by the, the elders, like, don't, don't, uh, don't preach and teach in the name of Jesus. Like, stop saying Jesus' name. And, you know, these guys, you know, do you remember this response? But they basically were like, hey, we can't help but talk about the things we've seen and the things we've heard. Right? Which, by the way, is such a cool thing. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? Like, we can't stop talking about what we've heard and what we've seen. Just like Jesus couldn't not talk about what his father told him to say and what his father had, he saw his father doing. They're like, we can't not do that. Well, they finally released him. And here's where we pick up. This is verse 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to the own people, to the church, and they reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. It says, when they heard this, they raised their voices. This is the, maybe, I don't know, the first corporate prayer prayer in the new church in the, in, in, that was recorded by Luke. They, they prayed this prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. That's just framing it up, man. It's all about you, God. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, David, our father, David. And then they, they quote the Old Testament. They say, why do the nations rage and the people plot, people's plot in vain? Keep going. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Right? So they basically said, they pulled out this old scroll, this scripture, the word of God, and then they basically said, hey, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And he says, you know what? They did exactly what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They were just doing what you already told us was going to happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Lord, consider their threats. But watch this. It says, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That was it. Amen. Took less than two minutes. This corporate prayer. 
And this prayer is a beautiful example of how we align our hearts to his. How, how do we walk and live in that kind of authority by, by really understanding prayer in our life? Here's, some, here's four things. Obviously, to glorify God. That is the purpose of prayer. And the way in which we frame that up in prayer is, you know, the same way he tells us to start the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? The, the, the sovereign Lord, this is all about you. This is all, you know, you were here before it all began. Like, just go back and read some of the prayers. Like, it's always framed up immediately like glorify God. Like, we're going to glorify you no matter what the rest of this prayer looks like. You get the glory. And then they were in, in agreement with his word. They were in agreement with his word. They pulled out the Old Testament and said, you know what? This isn't about us. Remember David? Remember when David said, and God recorded it for us, that the kings of the world and the people were going to conspire against his anointed one? And that's exactly what happened. Pontius Pilate and Herod, they conspired against Jesus, your anointed one. That was basically them saying, this isn't even about us. This is about Jesus. Like, we agree with you, God. Like, you, you told us that's what's going to happen. As a matter of fact, your power and will already knew it was going to happen. We're in agreement with you. And there is something powerful about getting an agreement with Scripture when you are praying. It's one of the reasons I love reading Scripture during prayer. Because when you read Scripture back to God, like, He's there. He knows, right? Like, when you go back to, you know, we should no longer be surprised when we're experiencing trouble in life. We go to prayer and say, God, remember when Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble? And God's like, yeah, I said it. Yeah, I remember. And we're like, yeah, you said it. In this life, we're going to have trouble. I'm not going to be shocked by the trouble. But I also want to remind you, God, that you said that you overcame the world to take heart. Because you have overcome all the trouble that could possibly be seen in this world. We read scripture back to God. We are in agreement with him. And, and I'm telling you, nothing aligns our hearts with God than being in agreement with his word. And then there's submission to his will. And I'll be honest, I can't barely touch this. We're doing a deep dive into this next week. But submission to his will is a big deal. Because we can pray for that test we have to take tomorrow. We can pray for healing. We can pray for a financial need. We can pray for anything we're dealing with, big or small. God invites us in to bring petition to him. But his will is going to be done. And I listen, the tension that lives there is not easily resolved. The tension to pray for healing, but not everyone is healed. The tension to pray for relief, but not everyone's relieved. The, the tension to pray for this mountain to be moved, and not every mountain is moved. Why? I don't know. I just know that we have to be submitted to his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a tension there. But to align our hearts with his, I'm telling you, I mean, I, I pray this, and if people who have been in my life have heard me say this, like, I'll just say it out loud. Okay, God, I selfishly want this outcome, right? Does he, does he know that's selfish of me? Of course, he already knows that. I say it for my benefit. 
so that I can help, I can say it out loud. Okay, God, I'm just being honest. I selfishly want this to happen right now, right here on this side of heaven now. But the, the question that I have to settle if I really want my heart aligned with him is whose outcome do I really want? Do I want his outcome or do I want my outcome? Do I want his outcome? Because if so, it's your will be done. Or do I want my outcome? That's going to tell me all I need to know whether I'm aligned with him or not. And the last one is we've got to be actively engaged in his mission, right? <laughs> and this is tough. We're going to, again, we're going to talk more about this next week, but the reality is, is like whenever you pray something, you do have to, you, if you don't answer this question, if you don't at least wrestle with this question, you need to know that God's sitting up there looking at this question. When you say, God, would you heal this? Would you bring in this money? Would you solve this problem? Would you do this thing? And the whole time God's going, okay, why? Why? Do, do you have a good answer for that? I mean, seriously. Is it so that his name and renown is going to be glorified for the rest of eternity? Or is it just so that you don't have to dip into your savings? Or you don't have to, like, you know, ask family for money and, 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 and hurt your pride? I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but you, you know what I'm with you? Like, if you're not asking why, the question is, why do you want that answered? Why is that so important to you? And I'm not, I'm not saying, listen, don't hear me say that you shouldn't pray for it if it doesn't directly one step tie to some sort of, you know, mission trip, you know, full-time vocational ministry job. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you are not honest about why you are praying what you are praying, and you are not actively engaged in what he's called you to do, I don't know how many prayers are going to be answered. I don't know. I don't know what God's doing. I can tell you what he's going to do. He's going to accomplish his will. He's going to do his work. He's going to accomplish his mission. And you can be on board with it or not. You can be aligned with it or not. And when it's glory to him and when it's submitted to his will, and I can agree in scripture, the back to him that he, his scripture and word is correct and true, and I'm actively engaged in what he's called me to do, he's going to answer those prayers with power. Because nothing's going to stop him. Doesn't solve everything. Doesn't mean he answers the, the prayer the way you wanted it answered. But I can promise you he answers these prayers. Here's how God answered the prayer. Immediately. Luke records that when they prayed this, the place they were in and meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. That's what happened when they prayed that kind of prayer. The invitation to pray according to his will, that he hears our prayers, does require us to pray first, 
to approach his throne. This is how the writer of Hebrews says it, very similar to John in 1 John. He says, we're going to come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Why? Because there we're going to receive mercy. Because he already knows who we are. And we're going to find grace to help us when we need it most. That's what this practice of prayer does. Okay, not, we're not talking about a one-off thing. This is, this is the rest of your life. This is the rest of your life, spiritual, spiritual discipline of engaging God and praying. As, even as Scripture says, pray continually, meaning it doesn't really end. You know, I don't even think I say amen anymore because by the time I do, I always forgot something I forgot to pray for. You guys with me? Yeah. I'm just like, okay, God, amen. And then I'll come back and go, oh, 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 yeah, one more thing. No, I, 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 now it's just, it's just a conversation. It's just me in my truck talking. And then I'll stop talking because I, I have to do that every once in a while so I can listen, I can sense, I can sit in the Spirit and just try to figure out what it is He wants me to say, what He wants me to do, what He wants me to, to experience in that moment but it's just a continual conversation. And I'm not saying we do this perfectly right out of the gate. I'm just saying that if you're not asking the questions that you need to ask, then chances are you're going to engage in some practices of prayer that are going to leave you very frustrated, and you're going to throw your hands up, and you're going to give up. And just assume, just pray it, just do your best to control it and manipulate it and figure it out, and just assume he's doing what he's doing. Or... You can begin to pray prayers that align your heart with his heart. You can begin to pray prayers that, that begin to not only align your heart, but you begin to walk in authority. Not, not as Jesus said. As Jesus said, it's not my authority, it's his authority. I think I've told you this a thousand times. It's not my truth that matters, it's his truth that matters. And that's what I want to walk in. Again, next week we're going to talk about that tension of God's will and how we submit to that even while we're invited to pray for miracles. We're invited to pray for, for miraculous signs and wonders that he is fully able to do. And yet sometimes we don't experience those in our life. What does that mean? We're going to look more on that next week. Let's pray together. Father God, I'm so thankful the verse that continues to come to mind is just that verse. Uh, yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you because your name and your renown are the desires of our souls. What a beautiful verse to just align our hearts with you, to help us remember that we need to be available to you, useful to you, in step with you because we love you and we worship you and know that God, you're going to answer those prayers. I'm so thankful. God, for anyone who's here today or watching or checking this out later, God, I'm just praying that if they've gone through these seasons of frustration, that you would just give them freedom today, God. You would bring out a new possible path for them to re-engage or maybe even engage for the first time this practice of prayer as they begin to just shift and align their hearts to yours. And it's in your authority.
It's in your power, Holy Spirit, that we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.